Hey, Kelsey. Hey, Brooke. Want to tell everyone what's happening in today's episode? It's spooky <laughs> Halloween. It is. It but is. also, I think you need to tell me what's happening in today's episode. Yeah. So it's our Halloween episode, and we are going to talk about witch trials in yes. New England, both Connecticut and Massachusetts, as well as uh, McCarthyism. So we'll get into it. Hello, and welcome to Remedial Her Story, the other 50% the podcast that explores what happened to the women in history class. Now, here's your host, Kelsey Brooke Eckert, and her partner in crime, Brooke Neva Sullivan. So Brooke, this week on the podcast, you had an opportunity to interview your cousin? Yes, she is my cousin. She's also a, a badass, um, and I feel very lucky that I'm related to. Um, but Dr. she's Dr. Bridget Erlinson. Yes, she is currently a school principal. Yeah. Um, or excuse me, vice principal, but former uh, English teacher. Yeah. And she had high school literature, AP, several other topics. And she also, in her free time, runs a giant family farm as well as, as is a mom do. to three incredible kiddos. So, and she's also on the board for the She's on our board. She's project. helped do some lesson plans for us. Yeah. So, we're really lucky to have Bridget. But we were talking about the Halloween episode. And I was like, you know what? Actually, we're related to a witch. <laughs> and you're like, I'm sorry. Say that again. <laughs> Back it up. So, um, what I'm hearing is I'm in the presence of a witch. Well, a surviving witch. Not not necessarily me. Um, Bridget and I are cousins. We're related. But um, it's through her family genes and yeah. it's their, her family story. And so, I reached out to her and I was like, we got to talk about this on the podcast for Halloween. Yeah. We can add it into the lesson plans we have. And she... Uh, of course, humble as she is, she was like, wait a second, I have a colleague, Paula, who actually kicked ass at doing the Connecticut witch trials, the Salem witch trials, and connected it to McCarthyism, uh, McCarthyism yeah. which is, yes. 20th century, so let's, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. So, yeah. That's amazing. Okay, so we've got these two women on the podcast this week to talk about these things. And I, I'm on board with this witch trials as a topic because when a lot of people think about Halloween, they think about witches, yep. right? As the witches themselves are scary. And I think what we're going to learn in this episode <laughs> is that it's actually the opposite. That right. for witches, quote unquote, right? Because I'm just going to remind everyone, not real. Um, <laughs> oh, sad. <laughs> bummer. This is probably the most horrifying experience ever to be accused of something and yeah, then be told like make believe and be told prove that you didn't do that make believe thing right and and like and come what? up against people who are vehemently saying that you did yeah yeah this is like so i i think we this halloween season need to reframe like when you're dressed up as that witch this is this should be you like crying in a corner, not you <laughs> confidently walking around in your tights and your black cap. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's it's an intense. Well, and it's kind of an interesting time period in America and like an American culture yeah. at that you know of of really you know weaponizing women and yeah those who were single, yeah. those who were widowed, and saying other yeah they were other they weren't married or the you know the typical what housewife. What do you do with a woman who doesn't comply? I mean, yeah, exactly. 
We're lucky to have Bridget and Paula, both educators as well. So we're going to get into some pedagogy of teaching this topic too. And this is Colonial America, which everything I know about you means you're going to be nerding (laughs) out. And please don't come dressed as a pilgrim. Uh, It's hard when you have been indoctrinated in the colonial culture of growing up in Connecticut. So it's hard not to get your your tall socks out and tuck them into your your jeans. So Uh it's hard, is it? It is hard, but yeah, we'll get there and I will not churn butter in this episode. All right. Well, let's let them introduce themselves. Awesome. Hi, my name is Paula Stevens. I'm a retired English teacher. I taught for 34 years. I mainly taught 11th grade, which was American lit. Um, And then through the years, I just kind of uh, added more and more history and, and did a lot of interdisciplinary projects with the history teachers, which was a lot of fun. So this time of year, obviously the crucible with with the uh, Halloween's coming up. So it works for me. Hi, my name is Bridget Erlinson. Um, currently, I am an assistant principal um, for a fourth through eighth grade um, in East Haddam, Connecticut. Prior to that, I was a English teacher um, for 15 years, and I taught mainly world literature, um, mostly seniors. And Paula was um, my mentor, and much of my practice was modeled after um, her guidance. So this is oh, really You're nice. very kind full circle moment for me. It is, but it's also, Bridget, you were immensely um, helped me get into, you know, adding a lot more to my, my discipline. So thank you. Oh, I love this. And Bridget is one of our board members. She also impacts a lot of projects. So we're so lucky to have her and all of her contributions to remedial history. So thank you both for being here. I appreciate you. So Paula, you are talking about the crucible. We are getting in spooky season. So (laughs) talk to me about how you would start to introduce this in your, in your classroom. Well, you know, teaching, you know, since 19, you know, 80 something seven, um, I, I feel like I, I always would teach American lit chronolo- in chronological order. So it would always be this time of year when I would, when I would start the crucible, you know, 1692, obviously. Um, but it, I, you know, over the years, it, you know, it was kind of a hit or miss. And I, and I realized that, you know, there's so much material to this play and that the, and the kids were, there were, and ended up getting a little confused why all of a sudden I was talking about the 1950s and, and McCarthy and who was this guy? Like, I, it felt like that, you know, making the connection, you know, why Arthur Miller wrote the play was, it was really a stretch for them. So then after talking to some history teachers, um, we decided to move doing the crucible to the 1950s so that when, you know, the, the history teacher was teaching, you know, McCarthyism, the cold war, you know, I, I was then teaching the crucible, which obviously was a lot longer, you know, that was about a six week unit. But then I think, you know, he and I got to the point where I would just, you know, stop and and do the McCarthy at that point. And then it just made so much more sense for the kids. I think I think that's probably one of my biggest takeaways um, from teaching that play as an English teacher um, to do it at the right time, I think, with your with your history, with the U.S. history, because then the kids had the prior knowledge. They understood um, what I was talking about, why I was all of a sudden talking about McCarthy and who was this man. So. Um, that was probably the the biggest takeaway from teaching it. And I guess I think teaching too about Arthur Miller himself, because he was, you know, he lived McCarthyism. You know, he, he was accused himself um, of being a communist. Um, so I think, he, which ironically happened after writing um, The Crucible, but I think doing it at that point, you know, for him, he saw the connections in the 19, in, in, from 1692 to, 19, to the 1950s. and and 
it, it, uh, history repeating itself for sure. So when you bring this into your, your classroom, Paula, talk to me about some of the materials that you also bring in to support it. Um, so there's so much, and that's, I think one of the issues about teaching this play is you could go on and on forever. There's so much material, but I think starting it, creating interest, uh, we talked about how, you know, what, how do you spot a witch? Like, what is it that, you know, you and I would be labeled as a witch? And that was fascinating because literally everybody in the room had something that, that they would have been identified as a witch, you know, whether it was a mole or, you know, a, you, you had a medical issue that you didn't know about. A, anything like that could be. So I think starting with that, uh, that high interest of, um, you know, what is a witch and, and how they were labeled. But of course, you know, mainly women uh, were accused. So we did talk about um, that at the beginning as well and how the, this, the hierarchy in, in, in the 1600s was basically women were, you know, at the bottom of the social scale. So um, married women maybe had a little bit more power, but really, really not much. Um, so, um, you know, how they really had no voice. Um, and so, and also men, there was, you know, a, a lot of sexism in this time period where, where they felt women were uh, lustful and that they, all they really wanted was to have sexual relations with the devil. And so, you know, it, it, it was then as soon as you acted a little bit strange or you were suspect or had a voice, you know, if someone, you know, if a woman was a little bit more um, social or active, um, they might accuse her. Um, they also did accuse men. Obviously, there were a lot of men who died in the Salem witch trials. But I think, you know, the main them they were mainly because of revenge. You know, like I want your land. You have too much money. You were mean to me. That those type of things. So I, I did a lot of background to the Salem witch trials first. Then once we started the play, but by then the history teacher has come in and we've we've done a lot of you know what is the 1950s, what is the Cold War, and so after every single act of the play we would stop and make the connections to 1692 into 1950, which really helped the kids see why Arthur Miller wrote the play itself. The other piece of work that I used that I loved was actually by Miller himself. He wrote, the um, the film was produced, um, the, the Crucible film was produced by Daniel Day-Lewis, was the main character, it was great. Um, he was there when it was being filmed and he wrote an article called uh, Why I Wrote the Crucible um, because he was still alive at that point. And, and you know, he talks a lot about the connections with, you know, the fear of the time period, both time periods um, and how, you know, fear of communists and fear of witches. And and that's really how I'd made the connections um, in, during reading the play is let's talk about fear and how that makes you, you know, ch change how you normally would act um, and how intolerance and hysteria and having no proof. And so it really dovetails super well with, with teaching about McCarthyism. So you're teaching in New England, just for context for our listeners. Um, but this is a curriculum that is widely taught across the U.S. because of yeah. the time periods. And you're pulling in some significant moments in U.S. history um, throughout the time. So what are some things, too, that you want to make sure that teachers are highlighting when they're pulling these two threads together? I think the biggest, you know, the, the essential question of, you know, what, how does fear and intolerance and hysteria and panic and, and, you know, blaming others, you know, that to me was the thread discrimination. Um, you know, all of those were the threads that we would, we talk about. I think one of the most powerful assignments was, was the performance assessment at the end um, in which the kids then took all the knowledge from McCarthyism, from the Salem witch trials, from reading the play, the crucible. Um, and they would do, you know, 
research modern day witch hunts. And I think, you know, for them to see that, and some, some kids went directly to, you know, people still being accused of witches, which is, which definitely still happens. Um, but, you know, some people really took a, a, a fascinating approach and researched, you know, for example, during COVID, how, you know, Asian Americans were targeted um, because the fear, um, the panic, the hysteria. Um, and I think, you know, some, you know, so some kids took it that route and then they had to do like a presentation. So I think, you know, showing how history like basically repeated itself, um, you know, so obviously some kids went back and, and researched, you know, how Hitler used all of those, you know, um, the power and the um, hysteria and, you know, blaming people with no proof, um, which was very cool because when then uh, they went from me and then they went to Bridget because um, I had them as juniors and then Bridget had, has the, had the kids as seniors you know, she did a, an amazing unit with Knight um, talking about those very same same elements. Bridget, one of the things that we haven't mentioned yet is also your um, personal connection to some of this moment. And how do you kind of how did you discover that? And then how did you kind of bring that maybe into your classroom? I discovered I really kind of solidified that actually when I was student teaching with Paula, my mother's my mother's side of the family, um, uh, which is also Brooke's side of the family. Um, <laughs> We have always been very um, powerful females, very articulate and very much embracing who we are as women. And it was just something that how I think we were raised and um, how we um, kind of led ourselves. When I was student teaching with Paula and getting all of the knowledge from that, and we really went into the crucible and we started doing some of that work with um, the Salem witch trials, I kind of vaguely remembered like my grandmother um, talking about our family and our family connection. And so I didn't really put much stock in it at first because as you're a student teaching, you're completely overwhelmed and you don't know which way is up. But then I started talking to my mother about it. And she said, yes, um, you know, your grandmother was a genealogist. She's done a lot of work in regard to our family history. And it actually, um, we looked through her documents and the connection back to um, Martha and Sarah Carrier is found through our family tree. So um, a lot of the research connects back to... Um, actually in Colchester, which is a town right next to us. And it started when my mother found um, an article in like our local newspaper in 1996 that talks about um, a, a Denver man's search for his heritage in Colchester. And it connected, his last name was Carrier. And it connected back to our history because the gentleman actually reached out to my grandmother. And in that research, um, she got a lot more information and was able to connect back to our, how our family moved from Andover and moved down after the Salem witch trials um, and moved and settled in kind of this central part of Connecticut. And with that research, I have a lot of the actual um, confessions, the confessions of Sarah Carrier, who is Martha's daughter from the history of Andover, the published um, that was in there, that's in their town hall. Um, and it's, and it's frightening to, to think about how um, children were, were manipulated and how they were pitted against their mothers and what they believed was a, a normal upbringing of, um, you know, raising livestock and um, being independent and, producing their own herbal remedies led to this hysteria of, of, of witchcraft. And, you know, when you look at some of the testimony when Sarah, Sarah, who was eight at the time, is testifying against her mother, it's, how long have you been a witch since I was six years old? And who made you a witch? My mother, because she put my hand on a red book 
And it's just so frightening that the the adults who were in charge were manipulating the women and the children in that way. So I think it's a really powerful connection for my own um, girls, my own children to understand that, you know, as Paula said, when women have a voice or when they are um, different than the societal expectations that that's challenged and, and feared. Yeah. And I think part of that is a lot of the, what we read in the crucible from the Salem witch trials. I think what people often forget is many times the, the people that are on trial are young. I mean, so Paula, mm-hmm. how, what was kind of a typical age of some of the those that were prosecuted? The ages varied. Um, there was a girl in jail from, I think she was four. They had to make special handcuffs for her. Um, there were over, you know, hundreds of people ended up being in jail, um, you know, and 21 ended up losing their lives. But it is it is interesting to me, that the, the range, the majority of them, of course, were women, but it all did start with children, you know, I mean, the, and they were all girls. Um, and I, and I, and I always, we, you know, the students and I would talk about how, you know, isn't that interesting that you have the, one of the lowest groups in, in this, in their society, you know, who were bored. And once they started to get this attention, they enjoyed the attention, which, you know, we talked about how, you know, that just makes, you know, makes you sad, you know, that, that that's what they had to do in order to get some attention, you know, and, and historians now believe that the girls who started the accusations, some of them did that because they truly believe, like Bridget was saying, that their parents might have manipulated them, that they're, that they really did believe the people that they were accusing uh, were witches. Um, but then some of the girls I, got drunk on the power, you know, and because they never had any that that people are listening to me that you know it's almost like i remember watching one documentary and this and this um, amazing woman was speaking and she said that they became rock star famous and i and i loved that analogy that you know here you have these girls who who are now being lauded in their society um and they were totally totally ignored um you know but and then some of the girls um you know, were being that they ne- they didn't necessarily believe, but their parents were manipulating them. That their parents might have said, you know, I saw that person. That person's a little sketchy. Um, you know what? You know, I saw them do some strange thing, and then lo and behold, the next day, that's who they would accuse. And then you with the connections, and that's why teaching this play is just you. It, you can go so many ways with it, but I feel like when you really look at why this particular person was accused, their parents kind of manipulate the girls, you know, to accuse them. And then, gee, when that person died, their land was forfeit and who bought their land, you know, this girl's parents. So, it, you know, now everyone sees the connections, but, um, you know, it, it did start with a group of really of, of a lot of, and they, and they initially blamed women in who were considered, you know, lower class, you know, they didn't go to church. They were homeless. Um, one woman they accused um, was because she actually married her servant. You know, so you had these accusations at first that people in the town just absolutely believed. Um, and then eventually it got to the point where some other men were being accused, too, um, because of really bit for land, for money. <laughs> Fascinating. And so when you are able to connect it to the McCarthyism or the trials that are happening, too, you probably can draw a lot of those parallels of people saying, like, well, I saw. And then they mm-hmm. get this account right. of this person. Right. The tales become larger and greater. but maybe the juxtaposition is there's more adults being accused in that time frame. Mm-hmm, right. So I think I, I, what we did after, because there are four acts in the play and after each act, we would, you know, stop and make the connections to McCarthy and how the, the, you know, the accusations were, you know, 
based on someone who might have been seen as undesirable. Like a lot of people in the 1950s accused of being communists were, you know, liberals or, you know, um, someone who might have, you know, um, you know, the gay community was targeted, um, you know, because that was considered, you know, immoral. So it was interesting that they started making those types of connections where, you know, someone who initially was accused was let, let's get rid of the people in society we don't like, you know, um, that we think is, are, are not really worthy. Um, and, and again, those kind of connections are so powerful. And then at the end of the unit, then to, to make the connections to it's still going on, you know, um, and, you know, and it was always touchy during, you know, the last 10 years with, with the administration that we've had and, you know, people saying things with zero proof. Um, and, you know, and, and it was, it was very sensitive to make those kind of connections. And in some, so some kids I let them make cause they needed to get this on paper. Um, but it, it was, you know, very sensitive at that point. Yeah, absolutely. What, so Paul, I want to um, thank you for sharing all these details. Cause I think teachers listening are going to get excited about how they can do something oh, more across, you know, their English and their history courses, but is there, and Bridget, feel free to jump in here too. Is there something that you really enjoyed about teaching this unit that you would encourage people to make sure that that's a point that they bring into their own classroom? Can I actually jump in before Paula talks? Because one of my favorite pieces about Paula teaching this unit is the foundational work that she did for my course. And um, our department was really strongly aligned in where we were going. We knew the trajectory. And so when I would teach my, um, my concepts and themes about um, intolerance or impact on society or um, how um, fear can drive, can drive a society, they would constantly go back to the Salem witch trials. They would constantly go back to um, how women were treated in an inferior way because they were different. And so when we would read Beowulf, an epic poem, and women were muses and they were like these immortal beings. They were like, how did we go from <laughs> worshiping women this way to <laughs> treating them this way, you know, hundreds of years later? Or when we um, dove into kind of the perfect storm that allowed Hitler to rise to power and that scapegoating that the, the, the lies and the unproven information. Um, I had a student who, um, when I sh- shared with them about uh, the protocols of the elders of Zion, which was this made up um, meeting of um, that was just so centered in anti-Semitism. It, they connected it immediately to the Salem witch trials. It's like, so people can just say that yeah. something happened and then that's what's, that's what people believe in. And so those ideas transcend our content and also transcend, unfortunately, time and kind of proves that we as humans continue to not learn from the mistakes that we're making and mm-hmm. constantly um, kind of repeat our past errors. Yeah, absolutely. And what a nice foundational building blocks that you're giving your students to become, I think ultimately what Kelsey and I talk about a lot on the podcast is creating critical thinkers. We're trying to, you know, civic, civically minded. How do we get students to be civically minded or become critical thinkers, hold two truths to be true in the same brain. And, and I love that you're pulling these threads through for your students to come in and feel really confident to hold their own in a discussion that you're having Bridget in your courses, because Paula, you had them in yours. And Mm -hmm. what a great nugget and takeaway for your students to have that impact moment. I also think too, you know, we talk so much about history, but there was the personal piece 
you know, at the end of the play, when you have this main character, you know, make a choice that was better for society than it was for himself, you know, and how, you know, how do you, how do you personally react when you're afraid? You know, what do you do? Um, and how do you stick with your morals when you're afraid? And how, how do you become an upstander um, as, a, as opposed to a bystander? And, and, you know, and it's hard. Um, so I think just talking about those kind of personal situations too, by the end of the play, once you get to see how, you know, some, some people didn't act with morals and some people did. And, um, but, you know, just the power of a group, um, the power of lies um, it, it, in blaming others. Like, I think that was what was so impactful too, is talking about, you know, if I blame someone else, I'm, I'm proving my innocence, even though I know that's not true. Um, and again, making those kind of connections to real, to McCarthy and uh, was it, you know, so the beginning and the end were, were super powerful in, in, in discussions. I and that. I think what's nice about it too, is you can do that with any level, any group. I, you know, I did it from, you know, mixed, in, um, with a special ed teacher all the way up to AP classes. And, you know, just every class had, had powerful discussions about it. Yeah. And I think what you're not calling out, Paula, that I will for you is aha moments. You're giving your <laughs> students just like, you just broke my brain. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> um, I think we have, we're, we're as teachers asked to do those things and you get a chance to do that. And what a powerful moment to have impact like that with your students. So thank you for the work that you've done and, and you too. Appreciate all the work that you're doing. And now as a, as a leader and, you know, fostering other teachers, you're both doing some incredible work. So thank you for being on the podcast and sharing more. And so we have a lesson plan that um, is going to accompany this podcast. And so if you're listening, people can come and check that out. We'll also, if there's any other support materials that Paula or Bridget want to provide, we will link those in, in the podcast for you to connect with and follow up on. But I thank you again, Bridget and Paula for joining us and talking about this topic. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much for listening to Remedial Her Story, the other 50%. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts to bring more voices to the conversation. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.